I've never fainted or almost fainted in my life. Although like I've, I was uh, near death several times in, in my life because of, of the war. I was uh, close to getting kidnapped, kidnapped maybe two or three times. Uh, ISIS, you know, like I've been through many things, but they didn't scare me as much as this exam. It's Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Imagine coming to a new country and you're learning a new language, a new way of life, Maybe you have your family with you, maybe you've got a spouse, a child to support, but you can't work. You can't work until you sit possibly the most difficult professional exam of your lifetime and your entire family depends and relies on you passing this exam. Patrusarati, this is a reality that a lot of people face. It's the people who come from other countries to practice dentistry in the UK, for example. Now, this could apply to any country whereby they have entrance exams, right? So what I'm referring to is the overseas registration exams, which in the UK are required for people of certain countries because their dental degrees are not valid, right? It's the same where, for example, if I was to go to the USA, I'd have to sit their exams, right? And essentially in the USA, I'd have to go to dental school again or the equivalent. You can listen to episode two with Christina Gauchin if you're interested in the USA, but essentially these exams can be very, very tough, even the ones in USA, and we talked about that. Now, the purpose of this episode, and, and joining me today is Dr. Yazan Duedari, who is uh, from Syria, uh, and he completed his ORE, but he's got a very unique story as, as though he, he actually came as a refugee, and that really resonated with me for many reasons, and we'll, we'll explain in the, in the podcast, but wow. To learn about the hardships and the challenges you have to go through to be able to practice dentistry in another country, especially like in the UK, it's just crazy. Like, did you know that when they open the examination process, like the online booking process for the exam, like it goes so fast as though it's like a, a massive celebrity concert, like a Beyonce concert, right? You know, you, you log in and you're, you're there ready to buy your Beyonce tickets and like within five seconds they're gone. Well, ORE exams, just sit the damn exam. That's the situation they face. So there's, I mean, there were so many different layers of complexity that I learned about from speaking to Yazan today. So uh, I'm so honored that he gave his time and his energy and his mistakes and his advice. It's full of absolute gold. So this episode really is for those people who are looking to come to the UK or move to any country where they have an entrance exam. You will definitely learn something from this episode. If you're from the UK and you want to understand the challenges or from the USA, you want to understand the challenges of a foreign dentist, then fine, listen to it. But this is more for those people who are about to sit the ORE exam. We do, we do go into the very nitty gritty of the ORE exam, the different stages, how much it costs, what's the pass rate, what are the different challenges uh, people face. I mean, it's just amazing to think that the process can be incredibly slow and incredibly difficult for no reason at all. So, wow. I mean, even when you finish the ORE, to actually find a job is just a whole challenge in itself. So I hope this episode will inspire and help many of you out there. Uh, so the protrusives and a pearl I have for anyone who's looking to sit an exam in a different country to register as a dentist there is this. It's a quote, you may know who it's by. And the quote is, it always seems impossible until it's done. It always seems impossible until it's done. The quote, of course, is by Nelson Mandela. And I kid you not, when you listen to this episode and you listen to Yazan's story and some of the stories that I know about, like I know I've got some close friends who have done the ORE exam and I know what a grueling process it is. I've got a friend in Korea right now who's looking to sit the Korean exams and that's a massive challenge. I have so much respect for the people who go to USA and they and they pretty much go through dental school again. Like, wow, I have crazy amounts of respect for these people. But it always, always, just like when you are like sitting your finals exam to become a dentist, like how impossible did it seem? Can you like tap into that moment where you're about to sit your finals exam? Like it seems impossible until it's done. So keep going, keep that faith. Uh, and I really hope you gain a lot from this episode. So we're gonna dive right in with the chat with Dr. Yazan Duedari for anyone 
who is interested in the ORE exam or any exam for that matter. Yazan Duadari, welcome to Patricia's Journal Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm good and I'm very honored to be on my favorite podcast. Oh, oh that's, you're too kind. Your, your, your flattery will get you very, very far, uh, Yazan. So Yazan, uh, I've got you on here for a mission, okay? Your mission is to help people, okay? And let's be really realistic because there's ups and downs, but it's to do with the ORE exam. And someone's listening and they have no idea what ORE is, is that if you want to come to the UK uh, from certain countries, uh, then you need to do the overseas registration exam to be able to work in, in the UK, right? And uh, from what I've heard, it's a really tough exam. I've had loads of friends who've done it. And I, I just want to look at the challenges, the, the benefits, the, the risks, the rewards. I really want to dissect it. Uh, but I also want to learn about you, Yasan, because you emailed me uh, because you kindly uh, did my uh, Resin Bar and Bridge Masterclass and you emailed me some kind words. You said, hey, how can I find more courses like this? And we were discussing uh, and then I found out a little bit about you. But can you just tell me, roll back the years, go back to your childhood because something very interesting I want to highlight because, wow, what a story you have. Just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, childhood and then what you do now as well. Yeah, so I'm from Syria and I grew up in a small city called Idlib, which is now uh, famous or infamous like for, for war, unfortunately. And uh, I studied in Aleppo University, uh, graduated from dental school in 2011. Uh, and that was the, the year when the war started. Um, and I stayed there for one year, left to Egypt for one year and uh, didn't stay in Egypt for longer than that, went to Turkey for two years again, and then came here to, to the UK in 2015. And after arriving here, I claimed uh, asylum. So I am currently uh, a refugee here uh, in, in the UK. And I, yeah, I had to go through the, the process of the, of the ORE to be able to, to practice again as a dentist. Um, yeah, that's very briefly. <laughs> no, but I, I like that. And I'm delving uh, deeper into it. And, and the reason why that story resonates with me so much is because I came to the country when I was six years old from uh, Afghanistan uh, and I, I you know I've been through a process of claiming for asylum and I'm so grateful to have received a, a British education and I'm absolutely indebted to to this country uh, but like uh, your, your is a yours is a little bit different that you came later in life uh, mm -hmm. but uh, the challenges are, are definitely there and I, I, would you consider yourself lucky that you are here today? Uh, yes, definitely. Like, I mean, yes, being a refugee, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's no. not easy. But at the same time, unfortunately, being a refugee in the UK, it's better than the alternatives for me. So yes, I consider myself lucky that I, I, I was able to come here. Uh, my asylum uh, request was accepted. And um, I'm surrounded by really amazing people in, in this country, like British and non-British residents of this country are really, really amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also uh, lucky to, to have, you know, uh, came here in um, relatively, can I say young? Well, I'm 32, but yeah, I'm like, it's not too much advanced in, in life. And um, yeah, I'm now done with the difficult part. There are more difficult parts to come, but uh, it's good to be done with some of it. Well, I also want to say uh, we had a little chat earlier before we started, I, before I hit the record button. So congratulations for your newborn son, Hassan, three months old. Uh, <laughs> and it sounds amazing. And also recently you started a new uh, associate position um, yes. in Chelmsford, right? Fantastic. And you've been telling me good things about that, how you're enjoying the position. But yeah. now before we get to this p place where actually now you're working in, a, in an environment that you like, and although you have a significant com commute, you're still happy. We need to tackle the elephant in the room, which is that mammoth of an ORE exam. I mean, what did you, A, why did you move from Turkey to, to the UK? Uh, what did you expect in terms of, uh, what did you know already about the ORE? Did you have people to help you? Uh, tell us a little about what you expected before you came. And then when you came, we'll start from, 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 from there, I suppose. Yeah, so the, actually, just to highlight, I came to the UK uh, via a scholarship. Um, it's basically the Foreign and Commonwealth Office scholarship. I did a master in public health. And um, after that, I worked in few non-dentistry jobs. And um, after that, I thought, you know, it's I, I should really get back to my career. And it's just it's worth the investment in time and money to just uh, 
do this scary exam that everyone uh, talks about. Um, and um, yeah, basically, I did have um, some help from uh, people from my country who passed the, the exam uh, before. Uh, but the 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 actual the, like the the more important help you can get is from people who are doing the exam at the same time or who have recently passed the exams because my friends have passed the exams like three years ago four years ago so they would forget about the nitty gritty uh, details and even the exam sometimes they changed over over the years so uh, yeah it's uh, i had some great support from from great people throughout uh, this journey and the support was mutual like uh, we were supporting each other we were complementing each other well tell us about um for those people who are maybe considering uh, uh, doing the re and, and coming to uk for example or uh, you, you know anyone who's about to start that journey what's the first part what's the second part how much does it cost What's the pass rate? What's the failure rate? Uh, and then we'll get into what it in, actually involves. And I, I can tell you some stories I've heard from friends who've done ORE as well. But tell us, yeah. how many parts are there? How many years does it take on average? Yeah, so I will start like uh, maybe with a general um, uh, description and then we will delve into the details. So uh, basically the ORE is two parts. And in terms of time commitment, because this is the first thing that comes into mind, like, will I spend like five years doing this or is it just a few months? Basically, in terms of studying, I wouldn't say it needs more than one year of full time. If you're like dedicating yourself five days a week uh, to, to, to studying, then uh, one year is enough. But there are some logistical challenges that I will come into it. So you should expect to spend one to two years on average uh, to, to finish this exam. It might be longer, but ideally, I think for the majority of people, they, they are able to finish it in, in two years. In terms of money, the money part is very important uh, because not many people would know how much um, expensive it, it is. I would estimate it to be between 10,000 pounds to 15,000 pounds. And this is, I'm only talking about the uh, exam costs and the uh, material cost, uh, the uh, courses that you have to do. Uh, I'm not mentioning the living cost because the living cost, it's, it's going to be large. That's yeah, variable, yeah. but that's significant as well. So you, yeah, you raise a good point. There's the examination fees and everything around it. But then, the, you know, the longer yeah. it takes you to pass this exam to be able to earn an income from dentistry, and then there's yeah. the longer you're supporting a family, uh, potentially, and supporting yourself, uh, exactly. rent, you name it, that sort of stuff. So I, I completely appreciate exactly. that. Um, so when you, you know, what else do you want to add to that? Sorry. So uh, yeah, actually, on top of that, even this is, uh, this is something that uh, people rarely mention after finishing the R which will I will also touch upon later but it also takes like maybe six months sometimes paperwork and sometimes uh, finding a job could take also a few extra months so you could also consider maybe an extra six to 12 months after passing the ORE to start earning uh, money so this is a very broad picture for anyone considering doing the ORE uh, you have to have these uh, commitments in in place uh, financial commitment, uh, time commitment, and the effort, of course, and the mentality to to do this. That's crazy, Yazan. That's crazy because you know, I know of people who've done the ORE and their whole life is consumed by this exam. I need to pass the exam, and now you're saying that hey, even after you pass the exam, there's so many more hurdles at that point as well. So yeah. naturally, my next question is: Is the juice? worth the squeeze i never really thought about it because in to me it wasn't really a choice like for me doing the or the ore it's not about being a dentist in the uk it's about being a dentist ever anywhere because basically i can't go back to my country and i can't it's like i can't go out from here like i'm, I'm a refugee here uh, even if I wanted to go back to the countries that I lived in, like Egypt and Turkey, now I need a visa and they, they're not really granting visas. So it's it's about me being a dentist. So I didn't really have another choice. But now that I'm thinking about it after having gone through it, it's definitely worth it. It's difficult. Uh, it's time consuming. Uh, but yeah, once you're done it, like, yeah, it's just maybe one or two years and that's it. It's done. And it's not a horrible two years. Um, you enjoy like many parts of it. You hate some parts of it, 
but uh, it's it's a journey like any other journey did you, did you enjoy the learning the relearning did you enjoy that uh weirdly yes <laughs> <laughs> i did <laughs> and i learned many new things i enhanced for example my communication skills like massively during the ore even my hand skills like i used to have like good hand skills but i i can't say that i significantly enhanced my my hand skills like practicing on on the mannequin on fake teeth uh, even i learned the indirect uh, indirect vision techniques so just like working looking at the mirror only this is this is something that we don't really do it much in syria or it's not at least it's not taught in in our universities so i learned the tier i'm very like happy that uh, I'm I'm able to do this now very comfortably. I mean for someone listening right now and they know about the ORE already and they know about people who sat the ORE none of what you said in the last 30 40 seconds will be surprising to them but in case someone's listening right now and you already have a BDS from a UK university or US or, or whatever and you're listening and you're talking talking about mannequins maybe they haven't appreciated the following which is the number of people who do the ORE they actually from what I hear they source and they buy their own mannequin head and a motor and a handpiece and they're there like in their garage like practicing and stuff yeah. for hours and hours and hours for the practical element of the exam so you guys pretty much yeah you you do really delve deep into the clinical hand skills through repetition yeah. and and I, I can see why i mean anyone even if i had the opportunity for to three months have a, a mannequin head uh, some models and just practice preps for three months of course, we, you would improve. So there is that, yeah. that that beauty of it, I suppose. Is there anything you want to add to that in terms of any advice you want to give someone or re, uh, with regards to purchasing a mannequin? Where do you even buy one? I mean, eBay or? <laughs> um, no, there are, well, most uh, most people buy used ones and this is yeah. what I did because it's cheaper and you don't want to spend a lot of money. And basically, yeah, it's just people passing and then uh, like selling their own. But some people would prefer to uh, to buy new ones. And if you can like comfortably afford new ones, it would be definitely uh, better. Uh, there are specific uh, companies here that are known that provide specific stuff for, uh, for ORE. Um, so... I don't know if you want me to to mention. Yeah, mention it because it's it's, it's, de yeah. it's definitely going to help someone. I mean, there's no there's no yeah. commercial interest, but we can help people. Yeah, 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 definitely. There are um, uh, MR Dental, for example. They are the most uh, famous providers. Um, there was a new company that also started, and it's based in London, but I forgot its name. You can email me, I'll um, put no. it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. people will. Yeah. So, so go to protrusive.co.uk forward slash ORE and you'll be able to find all the resources that Yazan uh, can help us with. Hey, was it helpful? Because I found it helpful to, like when I was moving to Singapore, for example, to find a Facebook group for that or whatever. Well, did, you, did you guys have like a secret ORE club on Facebook? Yeah, we do actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. There is, um, there is one, well, there are, there is one big group for part one. Uh, I think it has like eight, thousand members so it's a huge group and yes uh, people can post questions there uh, you get uh, answers uh, so this one is really helpful uh, for part two there are um, few facebook groups but i don't know why they're not that helpful they they have different mentality are you enjoying the protrusive dental podcast well allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Um, but, Do you think it's competitive? Um, Do you think it's because people are now feeling like they're competing against each other maybe? I think, yeah, part, I think the part two groups, Facebook groups, they're owned by different providers, of course. So this is probably why. But uh, while the uh, part one group, I, I don't think, I don't know who owns it. I don't know if really it's owned by, by, by mm -hmm. someone. So, yeah. 
Um, okay, that's very interesting. So you must send us this link so people can, can yeah, join these groups. That'd be definitely. amazing. Again, I'll, I'll stick that on the website. So tell us, you, you apply to do part one. Uh, you, so part one's purely written. Break, break the exams down for us. Um, actually, I forgot something because I didn't really go through it. Before even part one and part two, uh, there are two small issues. You need an IELTS. Uh, and you need um, an overall score of seven and uh, uh, a score of 6.5 in each uh, subsection, like uh, reading, writing, uh, listening, speaking. Um, so I know people struggle a lot with this. Uh, for me, I already have had my IELTS because I, I came here and studied the Master in Public Health. It was expired. Um, so um i just i just communicated with the gdc telling them like look i i have a master from the uk and i have my expired eyes and they accepted it. they requested to fill like some sort of reference but there there is some rooms there because i see a lot of questions asked about uh, the facebook groups about uh different people have different um things to document that they have really good english so it is possible Sometimes if you have an expired to, to IELTS, bypass maybe, it, to bypass it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So because I know like I know one of my friends, he spent two years uh, to to get the IELTS degree and then one year for the ORE. So for wow. him, the IELTS was more challenging than, than the ORE itself. Wow. Um, I think it's just getting that specific grade is, is challenging. Um, not sure why exactly, but there is something in there. So yeah, this is uh, something to, to consider. And you know, I imagine, thing, I imagine, Yazan, that the exam, uh, um, how do you say this uh, exam, this uh, English uh, exam, how do you say it? What's it called? The ORE? No, the, the English, uh, the, the one uh, you the had to pass it. How do you spell it? Uh, e I L T S. Okay, uh, fine. International so, so, English Language Examination. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I imagine that that's like it's not like it's probably at a complexity whereby if the majority of the public in the UK did it, a lot of them would probably fail. <laughs> like it, it, <laughs> that's why I can just imagine it being like that because you know it's like if someone does a nationality exam, like half of the people in the UK will probably just fail it because no one knows that stuff unless you're studying for it. But anyway, that's a, yeah. a side thing. So yeah. yeah, it's a very good point, Ray. So you have that hurdle to cross. What's the next hurdle? Um, a very small one, but you also need to um, to apply, uh, to send your documents to the GDC, and this could take. Uh, Basically, it shouldn't take much. It should take like once you send your documents to, to the GDC, uh, the General Dental Council, they come back within like a month or two. But sometimes people struggle with the paperwork. It takes them several months to prepare the, the paperwork. Uh, but in my opinion, there there aren't many like a huge amount of paperwork. It's just they're, they're reasonable um, ones. And uh, then the logistics. Um, the logistics, for example, part one, it's run, well, pre-COVID, it was run twice a year, once in um, in April and once in August. And the opening, uh, to, re to register to, to the exam, um, the registration opened eight weeks before or two months before uh, before the exam date. So you have really small window. You have to have your papers ready your IELTS ready everything ready before the opening of the exam and for example if you miss uh, the August one the next one is in April the, the next year so that's almost eight months of waiting so it's it's something also to uh, to to consider mm. and so uh, this is uh, once you apply and you do it and you got uh, eight weeks left into your exam and you're studying and this is a purely written exam so part one, it's um, MCQ, so multiple choice questions. So you don't really write anything. It's uh, there is a computer that you just you read the question, uh, you read the answers, and you uh, you choose one uh, one answer. Sometimes you might need to choose more than one answer for some questions. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. It's run over two days. It has paper A and paper. Uh, B and you need to pass uh, both. Uh, well, paper A is is more focused on uh, what do you call it? Apply, uh, applied science, something like anatomy and physiology, sure. uh, the basic science. While the paper B it's more focused about around the clinical, like uh, for example, prosto, perio, endo questions. Uh, but you might get uh, like 
anatomy questions in paper B, and it's it's not really like a clear uh, cut in there. And you have one day break between the the two papers, and you need to pass both papers. But passing like to to pass part one, you need to answer fifty percent of the questions correctly. So I would say that's easy one. Like if if you mm-hmm. have prepared for the exam just to to get fifty percent of the questions, that's really not uh, not difficult for me. I prepared for four months, and it was enough for me. It doesn't need like I see people would like spend one year preparing for part one because it's a huge like if you think about everything we learned in dental school over the five uh, years, it's uh, it's a huge amount that uh, mm-hmm. if you if you wanna perfected yes you need maybe one year or two years but you don't really need to perfect it you just need to to study the popular uh topics so i would advise people not to overdo it with uh, with part one so maybe practical advice there is if someone's uh, thinking hey you know what um i don't feel ready for part one but they they're a dentist they've they've, they've got their yes. degree from india or pakistan or syria or some of that and they, so they are a dentist but they don't feel confident your advice is just do it yeah, 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 exactly. At the same time, I see people who would like study at the night of the exam and go to the exam. And I would really, really advise against that. <laughs> I've seen, I've heard of people passing doing that. But uh-huh. think of the time investment, the money investment, like the cost of the of the part one is like 900 pounds. It's, it's a lot of money and you mm-hmm. need that money, believe me. Uh, even like, yes, if you fail, this exam, then you have to wait several more months to to just do it again. So why risk it? Prepare at least I would say at least three months, and in my opinion, a maximum of six months would be would be enough for for uh, for this exam. And know what to study because it's very very broad. But at the same time, um, there are known topics that. Um, they're kind of uh, repeat or they're kind of uh, Recur- recurring themes. Things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Recurring themes. And the things that you, you're not very strong of. For example, if you had an endo uh, question, like most of us are likely to, to answer it correctly without really studying anything. But for, for example, if if you ask me now about anatomy, I might not be able to, to answer this like, question like, without revision. You mean like kidney function and, and it could be liver function and it could be yes, like uh, be that sort of stuff as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, very important. Yeah. So, okay, let's let, let's move on. You've passed part one. Uh, hooray, you celebrate, you know, you call your family, say this has happened, this is very good. Uh, what's next? Okay, now the serious bit starts. Well, the the good thing that you're halfway through, you finished like a huge part of the exam. Now just the final step is remaining, but it's a difficult step. It's uh, this is where you spend most of your money, most of your um, energy, and um, also it could be when you spend most of your time as well for the part two. So basically, it's um, it's. It's four exams in in one exam. The first, it's called the uh, OSCE. I think it's abbreviation for. Can you help me with that? It's, yeah, it's an objective structured clinical examination. Yes, yes. Um, so basically, it it basically tests your communication skills. There will be well, it has many parts, but most of it, it's um, it's an actor sitting in a room acting like they are the patient, and you need to enter to uh, you need to enter the room and to. Uh, speak to them. For example, ask them question uh, to diagnose a problem, or uh, even explain a diagnosis, or uh, explain a treatment plan. And they will. It they sounds will like MFDS. Like we, well, you know, I've done yeah, the MFDS, and we had OSCEs, uh, and it was all pretty much a communication uh, from what yeah. I remember from the MFDS uh, the part two. So is it's the all ten stations, or how many of the stations there are? They're all uh, communication uh, based. Yeah, twenty, I think. Oh wow, twenty stations. Hell, that's impressive. That's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a lot. all of them are actors. Some of them would be written, and some of them would be skilled OSCE. So, for example, to do a suture or to place a rubber dam. Um, so there are uh, like uh, different uh, bits and pieces. Uh, the second part it's called the diagnosis and before, the treatment. Before, I just want to ask you before we move yeah. on to each because I like this um, format that you're going through each part. So, um, out of difficulty, how difficult do you think the OSCE is? Um, well, I think it's medium difficulty, and mostly because um, many many people would fail uh, the OSCE, and this is 
partly because the way some people prepare for it, it has to be spontaneous. You need to really communicate with the patient or with the actor. You need to actually forget that they are actors. You need to think of them you as just patients. Did. That's a, yeah, you just exactly. did. You forgot. So this you're, you're in the zone. <laughs> yeah, this is why you passed. Exactly. Well done. Yeah. Um, I've seen people just focusing on the information and what do they need to tell the patient and just memorizing what they need to say to the patient before entering. And it doesn't really work like this. It doesn't really matter. Like, um, no, it, it matters what you say, but I mean, what matters most is how you say it. How, how you explain it? Is it simple to understand? Are you just, you know, like uh, constantly speaking and explaining things like, yeah, the, the actor will not really appreciate uh, that. So just just forget about everything. If you're in the exam, forget about everything you learned and just enter the room, communicate with the person in front of you because they might tell you different things. They might tell you weird things. It doesn't really matter. Just communicate with them and Make them feel appreciated and listened to, mm, and then that's a, that's a good you, tip. you, yeah, then you, I'm, I'm sure you would pass these stations. Brilliant. So then that's on day one, for example, or is it half a morning or like one. half a day or a whole day? Okay. Then uh, what's no, next? It's like maybe two hours, I think. They will feel like five minutes, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> two hours. Yeah, definitely been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next day, it's the mannequin usually, which is the mannequin exam, which is the most difficult exam. And basically in this exam, you have uh, to do three tasks. One is, ma uh, sorry, two is ma considered major and one uh, is considered minor. And you need to pass each one of them to be able to pass the mannequin. And um, so for a major, for example, to prepare a crown, and you need to do this in direct uh, vision technique. So you can't like lean and look, no, you have to all the time, just look in the mirror and just prepare it. And even like for one second, leaning is not really acceptable. Uh, so no, no direct, uh, I mean, yes, you can do direct vision if you can see like this, but you, you, you can't lean, um, forward. Um, another major, uh, major, uh, exercise is also to, to prepare a class two. This is very common, uh, class two cavity and do an amalgam filling on a different tooth. A minor uh, exercise could be something simple like take an impression or uh, do access uh, cavity. Um, so things that are uh, simple. But the tricky part in the mannequin is that uh, they don't evaluate your, your whole performance. They evaluate each, like if you do a cavity, they will evaluate this cavity. If you fail in that cavity, you fail in the whole exam, in the whole wow. That's so it. that's that's the difficulty. The, the stakes the, are high. Yeah, and the other difficulty is the stress. This is the most important factor. You need to manage your stress. And I failed my first attempt in the in the part two because of this. And I, I yeah, I, I I just got so stressed that I almost fainted. And I've never I've never fainted or almost fainted in my life. Although like I've. I was uh, near death several times in, in my life because of, of the war. I was uh, close to getting kidnapped, kidnapped maybe two or three times. Uh, ISIS, you know, like I've been through many things, but they didn't scare me as much as this exam. It's really, really <laughs> scary. It's oh really goodness. stressful. Wow. I mean, yeah, it, it was difficult. Like, and I knew that beforehand. I knew that I have, I had to manage uh, my stress. I didn't really do that very well. But in my second attempt, I just entered the exam. I said, you know what? I really don't care anymore. I'm just tired of those whole <laughs> exam. If I fail, that's fine. I'll try again a third attempt in January. And yeah, we'll see how, how it goes. But I'm just tired of stressing out. So yeah, that's, a, maybe... that's fantastic advice, I think, because if someone can listen to this and, and then just learn from, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Learn from yeah. your mistake because, yeah. you know, or yeah. learn from your, you know, uh, you not passing the, the, the first time around and just learn from that. And remember that, hey, you know what? Yazan said in that podcast, not to stress because stress will, will put my body in, 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 in not the right state to pass this exam. So yeah. uh, it's very honest of you to say that. So I really appreciate you yeah. sharing that with, with, with us all. So um, you think, you, you believe that the stress was a major reason and 
Was it like a, a major or a minor, one of the clinicals that you failed because of the stress? I'm not sure why, like, I'm not quite sure why I failed to be honest. But generally, my preparation at that day wasn't as good as I usually prepare. It wasn't horrendous, uh, but it wasn't perfect. They they look for perfection. That's uh, that's the thing. I might have made few minor mistakes, but yeah, generally my preparation was was a bit um, not as as good as I I usually do. And the, another actually factor that is really really important is. Um, you know, we 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 practice at home on our mannequin, on our uh, motor, uh, on our handpiece for like six months. Then we go to the exam, and the settings are slightly different. That when you press the pedal, the speed is different. The the cutting speed, it's it's really different. The the, the way the teeth even respond to to the handpiece, they they are different. So that was also a little bit shocking uh, to to me. So. Um, that helped me in my second attempt to know what to what to expect. My advice is in part two, you will be doing mock exams uh, for 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 the mannequin. Try to go to different places uh, for for the mock for the mock exam. Try to be out of your comfort zone because I noticed myself doing amazing preparation at home. But when I go somewhere else for a mock exam, for example, it's not as good. It's still good, but it's it's different because the the setting is different and try the to environment to, will be different. Yeah, yeah. And um, some of the mock exam providers have uh, equipment which are uh, very similar to the exam um, equipments. So try also to make sure you go to 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 these ones so you can test because in exam it's usually the the cutting speed is usually. F- more it's usually faster than what what we use at home even for the slow hand piece they really cut uh in in a very it's slow speed but it's much more cutting so it's i, it I can definitely use one of those at work right now i think that'd be good yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very good to me actually i quite like the sound of that hand piece but no you're right to have a more familiar uh setting would really help you i can totally appreciate that uh so the second time around you passed the the the, the sort of the mannequin challenge uh, mannequin challenge i don't mean to say mannequin challenge obviously <laughs> you can call it a mannequin challenge uh, what's is. next what's after that so um that's on the second day now the third day uh, you have two exams at the same time. One is called diagnosis and uh, treatment planning, uh, where you also it's from the name. You you have a, a patient. You you enter the room. You need to communicate with them, like taking medical history, social history, dental history, and of course their chief complaint. And you ha- only have ten minutes for for all of this, and you need to write it down at, at the same time. You need to be as comprehensive as as possible, but at the same time, you need to be reasonable with the time. Like I saw many people try to ask all the questions that they have to ask, and it doesn't really work like this. For example, for the pain questions, there's uh, you know Socrates. Socrates. Pain. There's yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, some people would go to the room and they they try to ask every single question. And in my personal opinion, it doesn't really work like this. Like if you ask a few questions and you're able to diagnose that it's irreversible pulpitis, just move on. It doesn't really matter uh, if, you, if you cover the whole questions. And yeah, basically part of it is communication with the, the patient. Part of it is actually diagnosing and putting a very comprehensive treatment plan for the immediate term and uh, uh, long term. And after that, to communicate this to the, to the patient and convince them of the, of the treatment that they, they have to, to, to go through. Um, that exam, it's actually, on one hand, it's, it's difficult because it's one hour or it's actually 54 minutes, uh, but you get a lot of information uh, from, like they bring you information, the, the actor will tell you a lot of information, so you don't have enough time to, de- to deal with it. So most of it is about time management. But uh, in my personal opinion, the marking is not that tough. It's um, It's easy to pass it, I would say. 
Don't worry it, too it much. It sounds about intense, it. but it sounds like yeah, you know it's still possible. But it sounds very intense. So yes, uh, yeah. it sounds like the the main pearl there is manage your time and and be efficient yeah. instead of instead of going through the entire Socrates, going all the way to the E to the S at the end. You know, to yeah. once you get your diagnosis, be a good communicator and, and and get the get the mark. You know, get the pass that station and move on. Yeah, yeah. Again, and similar to to Oski, just you know, communicate with a person in in front of you. Like it, you don't need to cover all. You don't need to tick all the boxes. But what you need to do is to have an actual conversation with a person in in front of you because the, these I think are valued very much by the examiners because all of us can diagnose, all of us can write treatment plans. But the tricky thing is to communicate. Okay, so you got the, is, the, the that one. And what's next? This is that was the third one. Yes, the third one, and on the same uh, day, the uh, the fourth one, which is uh, medical emergencies. Um, this one is relatively easy because you don't have like it's it's known that medical emergencies. You know, you have uh, heart attack, asthma attack. Uh, I think as long uh, as you learn the recess document, that's it, right? If you just yeah, learn exactly. that recess document exactly. uh, inside out. Exactly. So you have to really know it by heart and be, and not just know it for the exam know it for real life because you might have uh, someone in 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 the clinic like fainting and you, you need to to deal with them it's a it's life-threatening condition so it's worth the investment in in time the good thing about this exam that the like you know what to study it's limited they will ask you about these things and that's it so if you know it you will you will easily pass it uh, but it's not like, yeah, the, the questions sometimes could be tricky. So, yeah, you need to really um, it's know. A, it's a written exam? Yeah. No, no, no. It's like an interview. Okay. And some some of it you need to give uh, CPR. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the other tricky thing about the ORE is basically you need to pass all four exams to pass their part two. So if you, for example, pass everything and you fail Manica, like I did, uh, you need to redo the whole thing again. And I've, I've seen people sometimes, like maybe I heard of, about a few cases, people like, for example, uh, failing their, their Manica in the first time, and then in the second time, they pass their Manica, but they fail their OSCE. So it's like they fail again, but for a for a different reason. So you need to to make sure that you uh, you pass uh, the the four elements to to be able to pass part two. How long after you sit the fourth and final exam do you get your result? It takes four weeks. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Yes. Four weeks. That must be the most painful four weeks ever. Four weeks. It's four weeks of stress, but like it's out of your way. But you know, we all remember passing dental school and that wait until they, you know, until you get find out, until you know, you get your finals results or whatever. So I can, I can sort of uh, empathize with you in that sense. Yeah. Wow, four weeks is massive. It they is. just do it to tease you, you know. They just do it to tease you. They, they know already. They know by day two. It's all electronic. It's, it's done it's, already. They just say, "How did you kill twenty eight days?" <laughs> They actually put the marking on the day, so I don't know what takes them four weeks. <laughs> and same for part one, actually. they take It takes them four weeks, although it's all on the computer. Like, we press the answer on the computer, and the, it, oh like they can God. immediately know the They're the just trying to delay they, you. They're just trying to delay yeah. you. That's the only yes. plausible explanation, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. But let's get to case. So, amazing. Uh, you've, you, you know, you've mentored someone through this journey. They've passed the RE, something that's been uh, consuming their entire life. They've spent all their time, money, energy, livelihood, thinking, practicing, learning for this exam. But then the struggle is not over. This is why this Yazan, this is why I admire no. you and anyone who's been through RE so much because I really admire the, the hard work that it takes and and it the journey continues. So Hopefully you get the result that you want and you passed. Uh, but then there are some more challenges. So just uh, next, uh, the final part of the podcast, tell us what challenges can you expect once you pass the RE finally? Yeah, so uh, that's the thing that you don't, uh, you're not done by passing the RE. But of course, you've, you're done with the, with the difficult uh, part. But before moving to that, I just want to highlight another thing that I think it's is really important to, to highlight. Some logistical challenges with the, with the ORE is booking the exam. And this is, I would say this is the worst thing about the exam. Uh, because basically spaces are limited and there are many people who want to, to apply for the ORE. And as I mentioned, there are only, for part one, there are only two settings uh, per uh, uh, per year. 
So what is actually happening and what has been happening for the past few years, maybe three years, four years, is that the exam opens usually on a certain day, 2.30 p.m. 2.31 or 2.30 and maybe two seconds, it's fully booked. So, Oh, my God. Yes. So basically, you need to refresh the page at at uh, at two uh, thirty exactly. And what happens with many many people is that uh, they the the screen will show uh, no exam to book or exam hasn't opened yet. They refresh the page and it says exam fully booked. That so is that- terrible. That's terrible. I mean, this is like a Beyonce concert, you know, that, you know, you hear like yes, in seven exactly. seconds, it, it goes, this is like, oh my goodness, I, I, exactly, I never yeah. knew that. I, you know, you don't even and think as an outsider that this, this applies, but yes. this is, this is so disheartening. This is like, you've been preparing for this exam. You've been, you know, your whole family, uh, your livelihood depends on it. Uh, and you have to, ha- this, this extra dimension of pressure. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Wow. It's it's this is the worst. I I would say this is this is the worst because he this is something that you can't really control at all, and it's not within your hands. You're just sitting there and trying to fresh and hope for for the best. And I know people who like this is extreme, but I know someone who maybe spent two years waiting. Oh, so that's horrible. That's horrible. So no, that's yeah, that's sad. that's and that's even for part one and part two. So uh, this is something also to, to factor in your calculation. Expect that there might be delays outside of of your control, and just have a plan P. For example, if if you can't uh, book the exam, just know what to do in this extra time. That's a very fantastic point you make because I had no idea about that. I mean, I've heard of so many different challenges yeah. and, and obviously the and challenge we're going to come on to now and shortly about, you know, how to find your job and stuff. But sorry, you're going to say yeah. something, Hassan. Uh, yeah. And I mean, we try to just want to highlight that we try to sign petitions and communicate with the GDC. But unfortunately, they were saying it's first come, first serve. But it can't be first come, first serve when it's like you didn't get the chance to, to click a, a stupid button. Like that's not. Uh, so if anyone oh, I'm, I'm totally out with there who can who can like help with solving this issue, please do, because this is this is just so horrible. I, I 100% agree with you, man. I 100% agree with you. Uh, and hopefully someone will listen and, and do something. Who knows? You never know, okay? You never yeah, know. Uh, so I appreciate that. So, um, wow, what, what what a challenge you just told me about there. So you passed your RRE after the vigorous process of even getting a damn place on the exam, yeah. like a Beyonce concert. Uh, yeah. and, and, and now this added challenge of actually getting work, finding work. So what's the requirement? Yes. Like, what's the rules? So before even getting to that, also you need to, again, send your papers to the GDC. It's actually the same papers that you said the first time, <laughs> but they requested again. <laughs> why why not, ILES, right? How, how can we delay these guys even more? <laughs> I don't know. Even the ILES, they requested again. And uh, there are some few extra bits and pieces that you need to do, not necessarily related to your registration of the GDC, for example, to... Uh, to to make sure that you have uh, vaccinations so blood tests for example to have a uh, um, uh, cpr course for example like yeah there are so many different bits and pieces that yes basically it takes several months just to be done with the paperwork um and yeah some people would take them like like very lengthy process like six months some people will finish it within like few weeks so i heard my friend she finished it in like uh, i think 10 days and that was it. So it's different from one person to That's another. That's like the GDC uh, clearance of the ALTS and the, the paperwork and everything like that. Uh, so that's an extreme example of, but you, as you said, it can take up to six months to just get your paperwork in order and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Crazy. exactly. Exactly. And after that, you have to to apply for work. And it's, again, it's very, it's very difficult because... Uh, well, basically, you have two options. You can either go to NHS or go to private. Now, many dentists who pass the ORE would prefer to go to to, to work with the NHS, uh, but there, Why? there is a need. Why? Why, Yazan? I don't, I don't understand. What's what's this um, attraction to NHS? Why? I, I, I don't see it. I don't think it's really attraction. I think it's... 
I is don't it maybe not feeling ready for negative. private? Maybe is that is that what it is? I mean, going through the ORE, it's it's mentally difficult because you are a dentist, you have several years of experience, but someone out there is telling you, no, you're not worthy. You need to go over th- through this lengthy process and they challenge you and they put you through like very difficult experience. So I think what happens to most of us, most of us, including myself, that we start to doubt ourselves. We feel that we're not worthy of private. We're not good enough. We're, you know, so it's just, it feels safer to go to, to, to NHS. I think this is what's what's happening. Okay. But there's also another difficulty, like even like going to, to NHS, like doing the ORE will take you maybe two years, at least sometimes three, four years. Like in my, in my situation, yes, for going through the whole process, maybe took one year and a half till I passed, not till I finished my paperwork, but maybe two years with the paperwork. Um, but before that, uh, I I had to come here to to the UK. I had I had to settle. I had to earn some money, some income to 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 be able to go through the ORE. So basically, this whole process took me around four years. So this means that I have four years gap, four years of not touching a patient. So it's really difficult for employers to employ you in in a private practice where where you have this this lengthy. Uh, gap. So that's also another factor. And mm-hmm. even yourself, like you feel that, yes, I've, I have good hand skills now. I worked on, on the mannequin for several months, but I haven't touched a, a patient in, in several years. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. But my advice is uh, don't really doubt yourself. It's fine. Uh, you are a dentist. You have experience. Yes, you might do stupid things at the beginning. Like yes, for 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 me, the first patient that I, I touched, I was just retracting the cheek so hard because because I'm I'm used to the mannequin cheek and it's rubber and I need to retract it really hard. So it's like <laughs> the lady just told me like you're retracting my cheek so hard. I, I just realized it. I said, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. But that was it. You know, yes, it's fine. We're humans. We, we make simple exactly, mistakes. Exactly. It's <laughs> Not a big deal. Yeah. So, wow, uh, yeah, this is, this is in terms of uh, the private. Now, it, the other option is to go to the NHS, but um, and to, to do the, what is called the VTE or vocational training, or now it's called PLVE. Uh, they keep changing the names. Um, but now there's a new rule that if you want to go and do the PL, well, if you want to work in, H- in, H- in, in NHS, you need to do the PLVE or the VTE. Uh, but in order to do that, you should have at least three month experience in the past two years. That Clinical. doesn't make sense because you just told me that the average person will take two years, maybe longer to even get the damn exam passed, paperwork yeah. and stuff. And you're not allowed to work as a dentist during that time. But then they suddenly they say, hey, you know what? We also want you to have experience. Exactly. Um, it, it, how? <laughs> I, I Well, yeah, I, many of my friends uh, finished the exams and they wanted to go to NHS. But so far, I think n- nobody was able to do that since they passed this new law. Uh, it's just becoming impossible. So the, uh, what some people are suggesting, I saw that on WhatsApp group, is to go back to your home country and spend their three months um, practicing dentistry and then come back. But first, this is like after going through all of this, you need us to go back to our country and to practice. Second, this option is not really available for everyone. I, I, my personal estimation is half of the people doing the RE are refugees. So for me, like, I can't go back to, to Syria. No, to of course not. Industry. Oh, my goodness. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take a tooth out of me. I'd rather you do that than go back to Syria, my friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this is not an option, actually, for, for many of us. So for me, it was, like, impossible to go to the NHS. So I had to go work in private. But after working in private for three months, like, I mean, yeah, I, I have a job. Why would I leave it to go? and work in, in the NHS, like, yes, it, it would be great, but I already have a job and I'm committed. I signed a, a contract. So it's like, it's, it's a bit weird. And it's the reason behind it is uh, that it's about the safety of the NHS patients, which is also doesn't really make sense. How about the safety of, of, uh, of the private, private patients? patients? 
And also, does it mean that the ORE is not good enough? Like, why did we have to do it then? Like, it, it, the whole thing, it, it really doesn't make any sense. And you raised a fantastic point there. Uh, when did this uh, law come in or the, when did this rule come in that you had to have this? Uh, do you know when it came in? I think um, in 2019, maybe wow. mid 2019, late 2019. Okay. No, I think it's yeah, late 2019 or beginning 2020. 2020, you have every everything bad, bad that can happen, even to <laughs> yes. RE people. 2020, COVID, yes. throw in this three month rule, everything. Oh my goodness! Yes. So, so yes. you you were also uh, subject to this three month rule or not? Yes, of course. But for me, I I, I wasn't seriously considering to to the nhs but I, I i did think about it but it it wasn't really an option so i just ruled it out but so, even even if you have this uh the the process to apply for the plve slash vte position it's very lengthy it's very tedious process it takes between six to twelve months to apply it for uh, to, uh, to to start working so what happens to people that they finish the ORE and they spent another year just, you know, either paperwork or or applying for VTE position. And, you know, like we need money. <laughs> we need livelihood. We have families. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just it's just horrible. What most people do is they work as hygienists, which is rewarding financially. But after having gone through all of this tedious process, it's just, yeah, it's just another unjustifiable hurdle. I'm completely with you, uh, Yazan. Um, I just want to say, wow. Like, just wow. Just hearing that. I mean, uh, the reason I got you on and the reason I'm choosing to to uh, shout about this topic and help people is because I, I, I know people like you. And shout out to my good buddy, Chantej, who's now working in the Northeast. He's been through this uh, grueling process. So I've always appreciated how difficult it, it must be. Uh, but, you know, what you told me today has, has just increased my level of respect for you guys. Like, even more like it's just uh, amazing i salute you <laughs> so well done but just uh, i think people are listening to this and maybe maybe if you've listened all the way this far into the episode you're probably about <laughs> to do your re or you're doing your re or you're going to do your re um they want to know everyone's what's on everyone's mind at the moment is how did you get a private job uh, i don't know i think i was lucky and <laughs> i was <laughs> no seriously I, I was lucky and i was a bit bold i think i i i just applied to jobs while I was uh, I was uh, preparing my paperwork and I, I actually got an interview and I was like I almost didn't go because I I seriously didn't think that I will get it but the reason that I went I hope my employer doesn't listen to this the reason that I went is that I wanted to practice interviews I I never <laughs> ever thought that they will grant me the job. <laughs> So it's um, so yeah, I was I was lucky enough to uh, to to get this job. The the thing is, it was a, a practice that uh, um, newly opened. So this is also a small a small tip for for new practices. There there usually aren't um, many patients. They're 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 not usually fully booked. So that would be an easier access for us who finished uh, uh, ORE, and it's also give us uh, time to to get back to, to work, like you get to, to take uh, extra time uh, dealing with, with patients. So that's that's a really uh, good start, I would say. I, I agree. That sounds like but a good uh, scenario. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you, you said you were lucky. I, I disagree with you, Zan. I mean, uh, you make your own luck, right? You you made the decision to be bold enough, be brave enough to uh, apply. Uh, yes, you went for the interview experience, but they obviously liked you for who you were compared to other delegates. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to say it's, it's not luck, it's you. Uh, but I think the, the take-home point from that is don't stop doubting yourself. Stop doubting yourself. Apply for the private positions if you can do. Uh, and a great pearl you shared is to maybe go for a squat practice a brand new practice that that yeah. maybe your income will not be so high initially or because your patients will not be there but that suits you perfectly because yeah, you can exactly. spend a bit more time extra 15 20 minutes here and there will mean so much when you're um when you're coming out of re and you're practicing on patients again yeah yeah exactly it helps a lot 
Amazing. I think we've covered, I didn't have to look at my questions even once because it was just a, a flowing conversation uh, that I didn't have to look at my questions at all. So, uh, wow, you, you did everything. In which case, my last thing to ask you is the microphone is yours, my friend. What do you want to say to the, the people who are obviously very interested in this topic because they've listened all the way to this point? Yeah. What do you want to say to them? So um, if you are preparing for, for the ORE, it's very doable. It's very difficult, <laughs> but again, it's very doable. Just know how much commitment it needs in terms of finance, in terms of uh, money, in terms of uh, uh, even like um, mentally and psychologically. It's it's not easy, for example, not to be able to do the exam or to fail the exam. That For me, that was the first thing I ever failed in my life, but it made me stronger in, in in a way and it's fine to fail like many people don't really pass it from the first time it's completely fine and don't don't uh, overstress about passing from the first time and accept that it's it is what it is and yeah just just do it just do it and uh, an advice for for sorry you wanted to comment no, i just wanted this. to say uh, what's the i never asked you what's the percentage pass rate <sighs> Uh, for the part one, I would say it's it's relatively high. I think it's maybe 60-70%. I forgot exactly how much. Mm -hmm. But also take into consideration that many people, not many people, but some people who, who, who apply for part one, they're not really preparing for it. So it's actually for those who prepare, I would say it's much higher. If you if you prepare really well, your chances are almost certain in in passing the the the, the part one. The part two it ranges between it's different from exam to exam, but it's around I think thirty five to fifty oh. percent. So not as high, but if you take the higher the higher number fifty percent, it's not horrible. It was it was in certain years, maybe ten years ago, because I looked at the statistics. It was as low as nine percent. Wow! In one year, it was ninety percent, and I think at that time, the highest uh, passing rate was twenty percent. So it's much better now. People are able to pass, but maybe ten years from uh, uh, ten years ago, it, it it was much even more difficult. So it is it is becoming more and more doable. Fantastic, brilliant. And so and you were saying one, other, more, one more thing, yeah, please, please share with us. Yeah, my other thing is for those who are listening to us and uh, who haven't gone through the ORE, if you are in an employer, um, or if even if you're not an employer, don't look down for those who, who, who have done the ORE. Like I might sometimes say stupid things I might forget some things like, for example, I studied dentistry in, in Arabic. So sometimes I just forget the names of, 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 of things. And I, I just say like, you know, calcium hydroxide, but I don't really remember the brand name that is used in, in, in this country. Yes, and I did the same thing today. Listen, I'm UK trained. <laughs> you know what I did? Okay, I can't believe you're saying this because literally the same thing happened to me today. So my nurse Zoe, she's probably watching this actually, if it comes up on Instagram. <laughs> um, hi Zoe. Um, so Zoe, what I did today was uh, I was uh, about to um, fill the canal with the non-setting calcium hydroxide. And I said, can I get some non-setting calcium hydroxide? And she looked at me blank and I was like, crap, are we, are we, are we finished? Are we finished? I was like, oh, okay. I have to use leather mix then, right? Uh, I'll say, fine, if you don't have that, can I have leather mix? She goes, do you mean hypercal? Like, oh, yes. yes, I mean hypercal. Yes, yes. And even I did the same thing, my friend. So don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it happens and we're, we're not perfect, but we are like colleagues. We are dentists and we're, we're not less. We, we might not know certain things in this country. We might not fully know all the regulations, but we are good enough to hire. <laughs> You 100% are, and you guys are. You know, you are human. You you are. Uh, you've been through such a grueling process. I mean, the, it'd be interesting to experiment one day. Like, imagine we took um, a, a dentist, the average dentist in the UK, and we just said, "Hey, you're gonna sit the ORE exam exam today." I would be fascinated to know how many of us would even pass because it's a serious e examination. Uh, I mean, you, you go to labs and you look at the preps that go in. You can look at my my own preps. They're, they're not amazing, to be honest with you. I bet your preps are better than mine, to be honest with you, because of the practice that you get. So I think it's a grueling exam, uh, and I and I and I definitely echo your sentiments that if you're listening somehow and you are in a position to hire someone, don't look down yeah. on the ORE grad. 
give yeah. them kudos for passing such a crazy exam and and help help them out in that way if you yeah. feel as though they are good enough don't don't say that hey they're the best candidate but i'd rather take someone with a bds or whatever look at take look at them as an individual yeah and also if you can think of anything else to to support i know some people are considering some training programs or or whatever anything that you you can support it would be greatly appreciated and it is much needed because there isn't much support out there that was very useful yazan i i hope you feel that as well that the, the information yeah. that you shared today had you had access to this two years ago i'm, I'm hoping that you would have gained from that so yeah, um the- Thank you for t- spending time away from your wife and your uh, and from Hassan to to spend uh, <laughs> this you. evening with me to 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 help people. I really do think you've helped people no. a lot. So uh, Yazan, you. keep doing what you're doing. I wish you all the best success in our con- in our country. And you are one of us, and we are grateful yeah. that you came and you you can now share your expertise and look after the patients in the best way you can. So thank you so 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 much, Yazan. Thank you for hosting me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> well, there we have it. Such a fantastic. Guy Yazan is such a sweet guy. I mean, the, the, he was a, a joy to interview and joy to speak to. I really loved his story and his drive, and I'm so happy he was able to find a private job. Like, wow! I mean, I, I'm so so pleased for him. So well done, Yazan. You really gave so much knowledge away. I'm sure you're going to help hundreds, if not thousands, of dentists who may be sitting registration exams for other registration bodies around the world. If you want to download any of the resources or find out the different Facebook groups or different courses there are supporting people who want to sit the ORE exam, then just go to the show notes on protrusive.co.uk forward slash ORE and you'll be able to find everything there. And again, subscribe to the newsletter. And if you found value from this, share it to someone who may be sitting the ORE or is even thinking about it. Let them learn the journey. The best thing you could do is share this episode with them. So I really appreciate all your support, guys. Thank you for listening again all the way to the end. I'll catch you in the next one.